Blog Talk Radio. Tuning in to America's favorite sports music program, Fanatic Radio, live from room 111 of the Media Production Center on the campus of American University. I'm your host, Michael Gardner, and hello, Florida Representative Bobby Rush, escorted out of the house wearing a gray wearing a gray hoodie. Glad we don't do anything like that on our show. Have you ever had an experience like that being exported you were wearing? Uh, it's actually something I wasn't wearing. By not wearing, I mean not wearing clothes. Woo! But fortunately, that hasn't happened in a long time. (laughs) Prison has that effect on somebody. That is true. So, once again, thank you for tuning in to blogtalkradio.com. This is Fanatic Radio, America's favorite sports music program. Once again, I'm Michael Gardner. Join with me as always, Ben Florence. Special guests are golf analyst and fantasy baseball aficionado, Brian Esposito. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here, Mike. It's a real real pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm excited. How's your week been so far? Uh, so far, so good? Busy week, you know, after spring break, all the professors loading down with some work. But it's Friday. I'm here talking about sports. There's, We're ready. There's really nothing else I want to be doing right We're now. We're ready. So once again, you can call into the show, 646-595-3137. We have some great topics to discuss on hand. We'll talk about the Final Four coming up, how we're not live from New Orleans, but we digress. The Masters, probably one of the biggest golf tournaments of the year, with some of the biggest headlines. The biggest. And, of course, uh, author of The Limit, Michael Cannell, will join us for our weekly conversation to talk about Formula One and his new book, something that we've never had on the show, but we're always willing to try new things in the world of sports. We'll begin today with baseball. Gentlemen, it is finally time for the 182-game season, 62-game season. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It's a long season, Mike. Long you know, season. It's well, well worth, well worth watching it. All right. So, how we can do this is, Brennan, we can break down yeah. each division. Yes, let's, we might as well start off with that. All right. Let's start with the American League East. Always the powerhouse division, and. In all of baseball, you got you know the Boston Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rays usually dominate that division. Um, let's see, Red Sox fell apart at the end of the last season. That's true. So what do you what do you guys think is going to happen this year? Follow your thoughts because it's interesting now that literally the uh, the analyst and coach or manager have slipped or swapped. Terry Francona is now with ESPN, and Bobby Valentine is the skipper at Fenway. Uh, I really think that, I mean, I'm a big Bobby Valentine fan. I think he'll have a lot of success in Boston, but I still think that the Rays are slightly better than them. I think the Yankees are going to win this uh, division because I think that they have the the strong pitching and the strong hitting now that no one else in the division really has. So I think it'll be Yankees, Rays, because I think the Rays have got awesome pitching and they get just enough offense. Complimented. I think the Red Sox will be a little bit behind, and I think that the Blue Jays will finish above 500 for a second consecutive year because I think they're they're a year at least they're like a year away from being a real contender in the American League. I agree. The Blue Jays, the Blue Jays do have some some good guys on their team. That's for sure. I feel like so much has changed with the Red Sox organization. You know, they're the general manager leaves, their regular manager leaves, two players retire. Things are still sort of coping from last year's devastating crash. I like your pick, Flo. I think the Yankees, I mean, arguably one of the best teams of the decade. I mean, if not all the time. Of course, I'm I'm blowing smoke up everyone's butt by saying that. But, yeah, job, apparently Jabba Chamberlain's coming back as well. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be ready. He's my boy, ready. yeah. Well, I mean, he's definitely had some bad, bad tidings. But, yeah, yeah Yankees. I, I don't see why not, but then again, anything can happen because the Rays just as good, just as good. 
David Price is in his what his third year now, third or fourth year behind. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's, he's lights out, man. Yeah, his absolutely. fastball when he gets that rolling. <laughs> I've never seen. Yeah. He's one of the, the. He can be one of the top five pitchers in in all in the American League and especially all all of baseball. He's he's got some talent. Um, going back to what you guys said about the Yankees, I, I like their bullpen this year. Um, David Robertson, the, the setup man, hopefully a future closer. He has some real talent. He looks just like Mariano Rivera when when they step out on the mound. There. That's right. He yeah. retired too. No, no. He's, oh no, is Rivera still there? He's still there. He's still there. Yeah, because you, um, you have Andy Pettit back for a year. Andy Pettit came back, but I, from from what I saw in spring training, he I don't think he's going to have the, and, the strength. And I, and I don't the, see where he fits in at all. Right. The, the Yankees. The Yankees traded Jesus Montero, probably one of the best catching prospects to come out of the, the minors in, in, in the last 10 years. Uh, they traded him for, for for a good pitcher, you know, young guy. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that pays out this season. How are we doing for the AL East? All right, moving on. What's the next, what's the next division? All right, we well, let's go to the AL Central. And here we obviously have the Detroit Tigers, who – who blew up last year? You know they 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 came onto the scene and and Justin Verlander, man, he was he was that's out. right. He's he was re- reigning out. AL MVP, reigning AL Cy Young, which that's the first time that's happened in a very long time, Mike. Right. So who else is in that division? We got we got ourselves the White Sox with I I don't know without Ozzie Guillen anymore. I'm not sure what that organization can do. I uh, got the Cleveland Indians who had a had a pretty pretty okay season last year. They they had a hot streak. Uh, but they, they again too could not could not finish it down the stretch. Uh we got the Royals, probably one of the young youngest I think the youngest team in all of baseball. Um they they got some talent down there. Um they, 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 they have a chance. And then we have the Minnesota Twins who I think, you know, could be pretty good this year. They picked up Josh Willingham from Oakland, who came off a, a pretty good season, hitting I think he had twenty nine home runs. Um Target Field's not, you know, the most friendly ballpark for, for a power hitter, but I think I think he could help carry the Minnesota Twins offense this year. I'm going to buy the Twins, and I'm glad you mentioned that because who was the, it was? Because last year uh, Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer had a pretty off year last year. That's true because yeah, it was it him or um, Justin? Well, more no, like barely playing. Right? Yeah, he he was injured last year, wasn't he? He, was, he yeah. had problems with concussion. Right, so, similar to Sidney Crosby in the fact that uh, you know he just might not be cleared to play or healthy to play because with another concussion or two. You know that could that could cause some permanent damage. Right. Hopefully he's back healthy because that team made the playoffs two years ago. They I remember did. they got one of the wild they cards. They did, and then they always lose to the the Yankees. And <laughs> yep. They're, they're a good, very good team. They always get swept by They just cannot beat the New York Yankees. Uh, I don't know the the stats off the top of my head, but for over the season, I I think they the past few years they only have ten fifteen wins against them. So. Right. And, I, and you mentioned picking up the guy from Oakland. Pitcher, right. right? No, uh, Josh Josh no. Willingham, outfielder. Yeah, outfielder. Real power, power hitter, hitter. There's definitely someone there. I'm going to buy the Twins winning this division because most people think the Tigers. You know, it's just something about Prince Fielder going to that team. But they were a very good team last year, almost beat the Rangers in the ALCS. Something about... They should have beat the Rangers <laughs> in the ALCS. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to my Rangers in a minute. <laughs> but something about beating, or something about adding a guy, adding an attitude like Prince Fielder. Because he essentially left the Brewers with with no reasons why, I guess maybe because his contract was over, but sort of left on bad tidings with them. And now you come to a team. He signed a huge deal, and I think it was smart for him to come to the American League because he's he's not the best first baseman there right, out there. Uh, he'll make a great DH, you know, great cleanup hitter for for them in their lineup. I think the Twins are healthy though, win that division. But of course, you can't not bet on the Tigers. Tigers, yeah. The Tigers are going to make it. And, and I think a team that's really going to surprise them, I'm, I'm not as high as uh, Minnesota, you guys are. As a, I think Kansas City really going to take some moves up. Their, their lineup is is young and very talented. They get some uh, – they have they do have talent in their rotation. If like uh, for uh, – Billy Butler. Their, yeah, Billy their Butler. DH, he is. Really good. Yeah, Eric Hosmer Eric, yep. at first. Uh, you got Mike Mostakis at third. Really – End of the year, uh, very well. And I think if they get sh- uh, consistent pitching, which is always a struggle for right. some of these younger teams, I think they could be a real player in the division, maybe even finish second. That's what I'll do for was it the AL Central. All right. Yep. Wow. Yep, that was the AL Central. We'll move now to the. Oh. 
what's the next? We got ourselves the AL West. And this is the final one, the AL. Right. All right, this is the Rangers one. Los Angeles Angels. Huge pickup. Yeah. What do you guys have to say about that? I I think I know a lot of people are really big on the <laughs> Rangers, and I am too. I think they're definitely a playoff team. But I like the the, uh, the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim winning this division. They've got now, yes, of course, they add Albert Pujols, and their lineup could be really good, could be awesome if Kendry's Morales ever comes back. And uh, they'll have even too much batters at the corners because they're going to have to figure out what to do with Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo, right. But their line, their pitching staff was very good last year. Now it goes very deep with the addition of uh, C.J. Wilson. So I really like Los Angeles. I think they have what it takes this year, especially with Albert Pujols. That's going to be a tough tough division to win again for the Texas Rangers, trying to go for, for the third division title in a row. You know, people always say third time's a charm. I do not think that's going to happen this year. I think they can make the wild card, though. But they do have a shot. The concern for me is if we struggled with the Angels last year without C.J. Wilson, without Albert Pujols, what's going to happen this year when got, you know all the hype going into you, Darvish? Mm-hmm. He could ultimately turn into the next Dice K. He'd be very good one year and then completely just fade out and no one ever hears of him again. Uh, something about bouncing back from leading the World Series once. It's, I mean, you can always, you know, regroup again. But, of course, with the recent things that happened with Josh Hamilton, with his whole relapse situation, who knows what's going to happen with that during the regular season. I feel like this team is very good at getting young prospects. They definitely show that. But that cycle, baseball is such a weird sport, though, because players are, you know, good and gone mm-hmm. in a matter of, you know, years, maybe even months with injuries. It's just you wonder what's going to happen to the guys that were part of that first World Series appearance team experience last year. So now they go a third year of trying just that extra more. Because apparently baseball has changed now. Is there what, 16 teams each? There's two wild cards that make the playoffs yeah, this year? Yeah, it's big. It's big. It could help. That could really help and hurt the Rangers. I'm going to like the Angels in that division, though. There's something about having Albert Pools and C.J. Wilson with the experience he's had playing with Texas on the same team. Let's not forget, they also spent $20 million to pick up Vernon Wells. Uh, yes. C- coming off of an okay season, a lot of strikeouts, but you know, he's a home run guy. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a decent pickup. I don't know how much he's, how much playing time he's going to get, um, but keep an eye out for him, too. So we're moving on to the National League now. All right, let's move to the NL East, everyone's Ooh. favorite division. All right. Especially here. Especially here in uh, Washington, D.C. Well, not in Washington. It's a little on American University. Right. I've never seen so many mix of Phillies. What was it? Yankees we already covered. Red Sox we've already covered. Our lone Mets fan, Whitney Ambrose, shout out to him. <laughs> hope he's listening. Yeah, I hope he is. But, yeah. Let's talk about the, Let's talk about for the Nats. Let's talk about the Nationals. The Nationals, yeah. Shout out I to mean, Sam, Sam Sturgis because you mentioned his yes, entire fantasy my, team. My roommate Sam Sturgis' entire fantasy baseball team is Washington Nationals. His first pick was Bryce Harper in the draft. Um, fortunately, we're not going to probably see him until uh, end of June, unfortunately. But he'll, he'll definitely, within the next few years, turn the whole franchise around. And the, the Nationals were smart, you know, two years ago picking up Steven Strasburg, and they invested a lot of money into him. And he's going to pay off him, guys. He is. He's has, he has some talent. His fastball isn't as, you know, not breaking 100 like it did did last year after a Tommy John surgery. It's hard to pick up your velocity again. But They say it's, what, an 86% success rate coming back from Tommy John I surgery? Or that like USA that, Today have... But, yeah, Steven Strasburg's still young, though. You know, if those still, numbers are right, though... Yes, he'll he'll come back. He'll work on his breaking ball, and he'll be he'll he'll definitely be the, the Nats' number one guy. And I, I I see him winning at least fifteen games this season. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. And they've got they've got a pretty very good rotation now. They traded for Gio Gonzalez. Uh-huh. They got a, they made a very shrewd signing, in my opinion, of uh, Edwin Jackson and Jordan Zimmerman. Jordan Zimmerman right. popped up. Yeah, was really really good last year. And, Again, Jordan Zimmerman, another prospect that went through the the Nationals farm yep. farm system and he's Home very down. he's very good. Um yeah, and in the fifth hole whenever he comes back from injury he got Chin Ming Wan. 
Right. Who pitched really well for them last year. That used to be New York Yankees ace. So yeah. we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens with him. I don't remember a time though when he when he wasn't injured. Yeah, that's uh, very true. But that he, he's very unfortunate for, for him plaguing injuries his whole career. This could be the rise of the national. It definitely is. And, and I mean their their offense too. Uh they they got some they got some good guys. Adam LaRoche had a had a pretty good season last year. We got Ryan Zimmerman, their third baseman who I personally think might be one of the best third basemen in all in all of baseball. He has what it takes defensively and, and last year he did he did suffer some, some injuries but I mean the season before he was a thirty thirty home run, uh hundred RBI guy and doing that on the Nationals, good for him. Alright, but the problem is with the Nationals, as good as they could be, there's a lot there's better teams in that division. They play in a very tough division right. as Everyone is, is known. They're, they're probably going up against one of the best pit bullpen, I would say, in baseball history, the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies. And then also you have the Miami Marlins. Are you guys going to buy or sell this team? I'm, I am, I'm buying. I am fully buying. I'm a big Ozzie Guillen fan. They made great moves in the offseason. And I really think they're a playoff team. I think I like to think so, too. Jose Reyes, great pickup. You know, he's going to steal bases. He's going he's gonna to score them runs. Um, Hanley Ramirez coming again, coming off of a an off season pl- plagued with some injuries, but I think he's back. He's ready to play. He likes the idea of Miami Marlins. He's into what Ozzie Guillen's saying, and I think Hanley's a leader on that team, and I think he's going to have himself a good season. Also, they got they got Mark Burley from White yes. Sox. Right, Mark Burley, great pitcher, veteran hand too. So they could possibly even win the division, or if not, make a playoff because two teams make the playoffs apparently this Let's year are the wild cards. That's AL East. Moving on, next division. All right, NL Central. This is the division where it is up for grabs. I honestly, looking at all these teams, we got the Cubs, the Reds, the Astros, the Brewers, the Pirates, and the Cardinals. That's right. This is the Astro. This is the Astro list division. The Houston Astros are in there. No, that that will be next year. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this, this is one of the bigger, big, biggest divisions. This is the year the Cubs finally do well. They have a new owner under their new general manager, isn't it? Owner. Uh, no, not a new owner, but a new president, new GM, new coach, yes. manager. New general manager. Also, Lou Pinella is gone. Is this sort of the... Well, he's been gone for a couple of years. Now. True that. <laughs> is this the year they will finally get their act together, though, and produce a winning squad of some like we've seen since the Bartman era? No. Uh, no. They don't They don't have They don't have the, enough big names on the, the Cubs roster. Uh, yeah, I, not I yet. Say, they have some of the most loyal, most loyal fans in baseball, but... I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, who's who's gonna really carry carry the team for them when the when they're in a slump? I, and I honestly don't think, I don't I don't think any anyone. Can. I think yeah, I think I agree. I think they're in the early process of uh, rebuilding. Even though they do have uh, a couple keepers, most notably Starling Castro, who I think is a, a star on the rise. But mm-hmm. it, he's the only one. From, yeah, he was the only one from that team to make the All Star game last year. Mm-hmm. Right, and. In, an interesting little side note here. Right before the All-Star break last year, there were three teams tied for first place in the NL Central. The Cardinals, the Pirates, and the Brewers. And, I mean, I'm I'm from Pennsylvania, and I'm, I'm a Steelers fan, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to support the Pirates this year. Um, I think they just signed a big deal with Andrew McCutcheon. Four years, $95 million. The Pirates have passed up on a lot of talent before. A lot of people didn't want to stay there. But they spent the money to keep Andrew McCutcheon part of Pittsburgh Pirate, and I think he's one, he's their best player, and he has the potential to really break out this season. He, he's in his prime. I agree. I'm a big fan of his, but I really think it's a kind of a wide-open division where I think you could see three teams winning it. St. Louis, who obviously lost Albert Pujols, um, Milwaukee, who obviously lost Prince Brewer, Miller, and uh, Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati, who I picked to win the division. Right. Because they're kind of playing on the That's right. If you get a uh, pickups in the uh, off season, so they sell Bronson in a row, don't they? Yes, He's definitely one of the best pitchers in the entire league, essentially. And of course, you don't think the uh, defending World Series champs? No, nothing for the Cardinals. No, they they barely got into the playoffs, and uh, and they barely beat the Texas Rangers in the World Series. Until they get Chris Carpenter back, though. Those, they don't. He's I don't know. I think he's on the downslope of his career. He's he's old. He's injured. Or Adam Wainwright, one of those two. Wayne, Wainwright is still healthy, and he'll 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 pitch well for him. But I think Carpenter, they can't rely on him this season. All right, so 
leads us to our final division. All right. Our MLB preview. The NL West. My boy Clayton Kershaw, the defending NL Cy Young winner, with Matt Kemp, who was I think a few hundredths away from getting the triple crown this right. year last year. Mm-hmm. A very bad Dodgers team though, but now has a new owner with Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. In the division that we had a surprise last year. That surprises in the years before with the Colorado Rockies going all the way, making the World the Series. Diamondbacks last Diamondbacks year. Diamondbacks last year. Where Justin, do you see this? Justin Upton. Where do you see this division going? I see uh, the Dodgers. This is this is not the Dodgers year. Um, I'm gonna say next year. Um, once they're gonna they're gonna sign some big names next year, um, and, and they'll 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 be they'll be ready to play next year. Um, I don't see them. I don't see them winning the division this year. Again, the Padres uh, still a, a solid team all around. Um, not that many big names, but solid pitching staff. Um, and they they ha- they made a run last year. They lost a lot. They lost a few games in a row, which I think cost them the division. And um, the Giants, the Giants won it. Um, but look out for the Padres this year because I think they have they have a shot. Well, uh, I, I I really think it's the uh, the Diamondbacks. I think that they're. I think that I don't. I do not feel they were a fluke uh, last year, and I think they're a really young team. That I think they're going to take another step forward. And they're also going to take advantage of the fact that the San Francisco Giants still pretty much have no offense, even though it'd be nice getting Buster Posey back. But I think that's the. Right, I think the Diamondbacks are going to re- repeat. I think the uh, Giants. Will do well. You have Tim Lincecum, the freak, or my Big favorite. Time Timmy Jim. One of my favorite pitchers in all of baseball. <laughs> a, a team that you said it gets Posey back, so I feel like they are very well managed and well prepared. And of course, that that we've proven in the past that that division is really up for grabs. Because the Rockies, they've lost. I mean, losing was Valdez Jimenez really hurt them in the long run. Todd Helton is. On the downslope of his career, he's very old. You have Troy Chulewiski who leads that team, but you know who's to say that a big name club isn't going to come after him eventually? Right. You have the Padres. Of I honestly don't know anything about them. <laughs> the as you mentioned, the Dodgers, Brendan, not really there here. More take time, but two or three years to rebuild. Even with good hitting and an ace pitcher, still not enough. Piece of the puzzle. They need more than just two players right now. Uh, the Giants, I mean, the Diamondbacks, you have no idea how good that team is because they ultimately, what do they go, four and three? Or no? I have no idea. What was their series? I'm not, I, I honestly don't, don't recall. <laughs> but, I mean, watch out for the Diamondbacks, like you said. I mean, they, they got some talent. Just enough. And they're still young, too. Still young. That'll do it for our MLB 2012 season preview. Stay with us here on Fanatic Radio. As when we come back, we will talk some Final Four and sit down a weekly conversation with author Michael Cannell.
the Monte Carlo Grand Prix in Le Mans back back in those days when the cars didn't have any sponsor logos on them and the drivers didn't wear seat belts. It was like a it was like the world's most glamorous uh world then and but but also you could see that it was both both glamorous and 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 dangerous. I mean the kind of the glamour and the dark aspect resided very, very close together. It's also interesting because of course the storyline of it is fantastic how Phil Hill, this this sort of hometown boy from California, ultimately ends up becoming what is to date the only American born driver to ever win a Formula One world title. Was it interesting to know that that was sort of the story you wrapped around, how the fact of him, also his teammate, how it's sort of a protagonist-antagonist story, or a story of two guys from two different worlds? They were. They were two guys from two different worlds. Phil Hill, the the shy and slightly neurotic uh, Santa Monica boy, California boy, who somehow made his way all the way from Santa Monica to the Ferrari Grand Prix team, like, and his his friend and roommate was uh, his friend and teammate was Wolfgang von Fritz, a German nobleman. These two men were opposites in every imaginable way, both as drivers and as as people. And in in 1961, they had that kind of rivalry um, that really kind of gripped all of Europe. It was one of those rivalries that, like um, Fraser and Muhammad Ali. That, that really kind of transcended the sport. Everybody knew that one of these two men would win the Grand Prix championship uh, that year, and so it was a kind of competition not just between the two men, but between their different styles and their different philosophies. Also the fact that they both raced for Ferrari Scuderia, which arguably is probably one of the best dynasties hmm. in all of, of sports, whether it's basketball, soccer, auto sports, but also, is it when look, reading your book, looking at Formula One, I guess racing in general back in the day, and then comparing it now, are you a little disappointed that it's less of the power of of the will of, of manpower and more relied on technology savvy cars? Yeah, I mean back when back when Phil Hill and Wolfgang von Trips were driving, <clears throat> you know they there were there were many races in which. Uh, these guys were were racing essentially without brakes. I mean, it's just unthinkable today from the perspective of our risk-averse culture that these guys would go out. They'd be going 160 miles an hour at uh, Sebring or the Nürburgring in Germany, and, and the technology was such that they, you know, their brakes would wear down and they would just keep on racing. Just unthinkable, unthinkable to us today. You know, and they didn't wear seat belts. There were almost no concessions to uh, to safety, and and of course there were there was no such thing as power steering or power brakes, anything like that. So they really, it was much more of a physical, it was much more of a physical contest than really kind of kind of an endurance contest. Um, when Phil Hill raced all night in the rain at Le Mans in 1958. He listened to the sound of the cars ahead of him, and that's that's how he knew when to brake for the next turn. So it was very raw and and uh, and kind of crude form of motorsport compared compared to today. Can we compare them? Uh, you know, and say one is you know one is somehow more more athletic. I mean, I I don't really know how to do that. I mean, I think it's really apples and oranges. And of course, in the the past few years, Formula One has definitely been been blown up, especially in today's culture, because you had the the release of the documentary Senna, which won an award at the Sundance Film. Obviously, your book, a lot of people have paid attention to. Also, Formula One is coming to America for the first time since 2007, as the United States Grand Prix will be in Austin, Texas, in November. What are your thoughts on this prestigious aristocrat sport coming to? Not only the United, back to the United States, but to the humble town of Austin, Texas. You know, it's it's so interesting. When I started this book three or four years ago, um, you know, America was just really tuned into NASCAR. Uh, Grand Prix was still, you know, a, really a European sport. But I think just over the course of the time that I wrote this book and the time it's come out since November, Grand Prix has really 
become part of the consciousness here. Um, when Phil Hill was coming up as a hot rodder in California, you know, nobody even really hardly even knew what Grand Prix was. Part of what is so interesting about him is that um, all of the young drivers around him aspired only to go to Indianapolis. American racing meant driving on oval tracks, perpetually going counterclockwise with your you know steering wheel turned left. For some reason, Phil Hill, he had a kind of artistic or connoisseurial sensibility, and somehow, in, even from just from his home in Santa Monica, he he was romanced by European racing, and he felt that the uh, he felt that the car's natural habitat was not you know not in the oval arena like Indianapolis, but on the open roads of Europe where there were steep climbs, steep descents, sharp left-hand turns, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think there's forever, there's forever been that, um, that divide between American racing and European racing. And it is, it's nice to see, it's nice to see that the European um, racing sensibility is now getting its due here. So after writing this, this book, do you feel like you're more obligated to become a fan of motorsports, whether it is NASCAR here in America or Formula One across the globe? Uh, it's an interesting question. I don't I don't feel an obligation. I don't feel an obligation to to be a fan. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think I think if I was a fan, I probably in my mind wouldn't have been the right person to write this book. Um, it it is. It is a book about car racing. It is nominally a book about automobiles, but I think at the heart of this book, I hope, is a story that is just really, really about people, and and particularly um, why they chose to engage in an unbelievably dangerous sport. Um, these two men, Phil Hill and Wolfgang von Trapps, they had very different reasons for for engaging in this sport and and the danger meant very very different things to them so so more than more than being a fan that that was what I was tuned into when I was writing the book well I enjoyed reading it and I highly recommend our listeners to pick it up on your local bookstore it's called The Limit and we are we were joined here by the author Michael Cannell on our weekly conversation thank you so much for joining us here on Fanatic Radio yeah, thank you for having me. All right, and back on the show, the most beautiful orchestrated tune in all of sport. The Final Four is among us, and we got to our first game, Kentucky, Louisville. Flo is saying the Wildcats. Brennan? I'm going with the upset today, Mike. You know, I... Big Big East when they won the tournament, I think they that's they, the thing. They yeah. got what it they they have what it takes, you know. Um, you know, I would say looking at this now, you think that Kentucky's gonna you know run away and win with it, and they easily can. They can. They have they have talent unlike a team I've ever seen. The last time I seen a fully loaded team like this was when North Carolina won it in two thousand nine. But was it nine? Yes, eight. eight. And even the team was Sean May, Raymond Felton, Ty Lawson. Yeah. That team was a heavily talented team. Is I think Deron Lamb and Terrence Jones staying an extra year in college has helped. I mean, it, it almost got North Carolina into the Final Four. It got Ohio State into the Final Four with Jared Solinger. It's, it's a matter of what gives. Is it Kentucky's fast-paced offense and just relentless style of playing, or is it Louisville's defense and slowing down the well, ball? Well, what's interesting is that if you look at the numbers, the K- Kentucky really doesn't play a fast pace. They just score a lot of points. But there, it is kind of a myth. I think it was Luke Wynn from SportsIllustrated.com that said this. But it, it, oh, it's kind of a myth that Kentucky plays like a really wide-open, fast style. But it, it only just appears that way because they put up a lot of points. But, but I'm sick Kentucky, though. But just just giving the listeners out there a chance to think about it. It's either Louisville's defense is going to shut them down, and Kentucky's going to have an off shooting night, or Kentucky's going to run I'm a away. Big fan on defenses, Mike. Mike, I real I really am. The old uh, saying: defense wins championships. Defense does win championships. And it did for UConn last year, mm-hmm. and they won the Big East tournament that's too. That's right. That's 
Houston Omen. <laughs> and they have a pre- but now we go to the flip side of the bracket. Uh, Kansas team that most people thought was really soft, myself included, after they got shut down by Missouri and lost the Big 12 championship game. Ends up being, well, some say a battered North Carolina team without Kendall Marshall. They faced, they faced a very good Ohio State team who I think could possibly win it all, if not make it to the national championship game, because of Jared Solinger staying. Aaron Kraft, one of the best defensive point guards in the country. And William Buford, yep. one of the best outside shooters, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. That's a very experienced team from last year's team that went out of the tournament relatively early, earlier than most people thought. Does Ohio State, the two-seed, the battle of the two seeds have a chance to beat Kansas because I think Kansas is very because it's easy watching teams like Purdue and North Carolina play them in the tournament. It's easy to stop Thomas Robinson. It all depends on what the guards are going to do. Right. Tyshawn Taylor and everyone else stepping up and doing their part. But Bill Self, a very good coach. That game, this game could easily go one way or the other. I mean, Thomas. Uh, yeah, Thomas Robinson showed up last week and played. He played some basketball. He played well. He dominated. Um, if he does that again, I don't think Ohio's defense can can stop him. Um, but but really, Thomas Robertson needs a breakout game. Uh, he needs to play to his full potential. Uh, if, if Kansas really wants to have a chance here, I uh, I well, also another really good stat from one I used was that Aaron Kraft has done a. Uh, Forced a lot of turnovers. I, I forget the exact stat. And the guy he's guarding, Tyshawn Taylor, turns the ball over a lot. So that's why I think it's going to swing it over. I think that it's going to be a relatively neutral matchup between uh, Solinger and Robinson. But I really think that I give a slight edge to Ohio State. I agree. So, who do you have in the national championship game, Brandon? I have Ohio State and Louisville. And Flo? I got Kentucky and Ohio State. I have Kentucky and Ohio State as well. We'll look at your national championship, Brendan, first. Yeah. Louisville, Ohio State. Does Rick Pitino cut down the nets, or does Thamana do it for the first time? I think I think Rick can do it. I think I I. In what way? I just just from what I've seen from the Big East tournament and and how well Louisville really played as a team throughout the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's all about momentum in these kind of in these kind of games. And they have they have the momentum, um, and that's that's huge. That is that's true because when you look at Louisville, this is a team that knocks off a one seed. They haven't lost in you know almost two months, so. That is true. They definitely playing in the Big East helps out. It either helps or hurts because you can either be like a Syracuse team that gets beat up in the Big East, ultimately faces a very strong Ohio State team and lose, or you could be like a Louisville team or like UConn from last year and go on an amazing run. And an amazing, a very good coach, an amazing player, and actually make this run all the way to the tournament. So you have a Louisville winning the national championship game. Bold move, but I'm gonna have to stick with it. It can be done. You have a 25% chance of getting that right. Whoa, <laughs> the Kentucky Ohio State game. Is John Calipari? Is this the game that he finally wipes the haters and wins an NCAA title? I I, I think yeah, it really has to be. I mean, he's just got the clear edge and talent over everyone. And I I really think that this is finally where he wins his title. I'm looking at this game with Kentucky Ohio State as a battle of a battle of the bigs can take you so far in a national championship game. It all comes down to I think is guard play. Mm-hmm. And looking at Ohio State, they're very experienced. They've played in big game situations. But Kentucky has as well. And I think the key of that is the location. I'm going to go on a limb and say that location is going to be the reason why Kentucky wins because the game is in New Orleans, which is, I think, what, a one-state drive away from Lexington? I guess. Ohio State comes all the way from Columbus, Ohio. And they end up facing a Kansas team that has been clicking in the right time. The only reason why Kentucky would lose this game is if Louisville beats up Kentucky so much right. on the defensive side of the ball. I think Kentucky is more athletic than Ohio State. Watching a game such as Indiana-Ohio State earlier this year, Michigan State-Ohio State, the only way to stop Ohio State is to get Jared Sullinger in foul trouble. Because if that happens, 
the Buckeyes are so jump shot heavy, and especially three point shooting heavy. If they don't fall, ultimately they could be like an A women's basketball team and just <laughs> get blown out. But I'd like to. I mean, I'm a big fan of Calipari just for the coaching side. Allegations aside, personality aside, he was smart because this will prove. I personally don't care who wins. I'd love to see it just a great game. Oh yeah. I think Kentucky's in my bracket, fanatic bracket on the ESPN bracket challenge. I think Obama had Kentucky winning. That's very good. The leader of the free world knows what he's talking about. College basketball. He knows it's basketball, that's for sure. It doesn't matter who wins because if either Ohio State or Kentucky or even Louisville wins, it proves that if you stay that extra year in college, a difference can be made. Thank Granted, for Harrison Barnes, you. it did not work. But to all the freshmen out there, what was it John Shelf, Kyle Kager? Stay the extra year. Stay in college. It helps so much. Because Blake, we said last week on the show, Blake Griffin stayed that extra year in college. And look at him now. Lob City, that's all I can say. One thing on your point about like uh, Kentucky being much closer, it's only three hours closer than uh, Ohio State. Is it really? Yeah, to uh, the Superdome. Yikes. Well, here on Fanatic Radio, we do have a 96.5% correction rate. That is true. There is always that 3.5, as it has been proven earlier this year. But now it is time for our final two-minute warning. The docilate tones. We hear it. We hear Jim Nance's voice, a tradition unlike any other. The Masters. The Masters. Returns this weekend. The big storyline Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods wins his first PGA tournament. Since September 2009. Like, yeah. 2009. What was I doing in 2009? I don't even remember 2009. I was in high school when I don't that even happened. remember. Was you, I? you said that March Madness was your favorite time of the year. This is mine. <laughs> the Masters, baby. The Masters. <laughs> what makes the Masters so great? When it, when it comes to Sunday, you know, that final day, it's, there's, it's just, oh, the tension... The, yeah. the the feeling of you're so close but you're yet so far away, you know? It's it's a whole nother round. Anything can happen. Um but predictions. Yes. Because last year we right. saw we saw the up the rise of a very young Rory McElroy and the sad rise of the young Rory McElroy. Um he, he has a shot this year. He's he's one of the best golfers out there on the field. Um right now he's uh I think he's ranked number two in the world. Yeah. With, uh, Luke Donald being number one. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Luke Donald is a, is a heavy heavy favorite this year in the Masters. I mean, I know Tiger is obviously going to have all the support and everyone yeah. wants to see him do well, but so many times this season you, you saw him you saw him fall apart. Yeah. You saw him make, you know, three putts. You saw him miss the, the, the three or four foot par putt. Um, that, those kind of things cannot happen at a gun. Yeah. Um, but, if Tiger wants to have a chance, his putting needs to be needs to be amazing and needs to be how it was back in you know oh six oh seven when he was simply the most dominant golfer in in all, yeah, all the land. The U.S. Open was the last last tournament he won, the historic playoff with uh, was it Rocco Media? I think so. Yes, yes, <laughs> I remember that. I remember watching that. That was awesome. Right, such an adrenaline rush. That's what I love about golf. Looking at other golfers in the field, though. What are your thoughts on Ricky Fowler? Ricky, I mean, he he's young. Uh, he's a good golfer. Not not this year, Ricky. Uh, he's not he's not ready for the Masters. Um, some, not- some notable names that I'd like to mention: Freddie Couples. He might be he's in his fifties now. Yeah. He just came off of a great win in in a, in a tournament in I think Mississippi. Uh, he made a seven seven foot birdie putt to win the tournament, fourteen under. For, for Freddie. Um, and I remember last year at the Masters, day two, I think he was seven under and tied for third or fourth at the end of the day. Um, he hasn't, he didn't play in the, the FedEx standings this year, but he's a, he's a golfer. This might be his year to, to make a run at it. Um, I also, Phil, lefty. Phil, the lefty. Lefty. Yeah. Um, his driving, his, his, his driving uh, hasn't been that great this season. He has won a few a few tournaments. I think he finished in the top five in the money this year. Um, he's always he's always ready to play. His short game if it, if his short game's on, he's unstoppable. So I'm excited. 
I'm ready for the Masters. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be awesome. All right, I'll leave you out with this, Brendan. If Tiger Woods is to win this tournament, what does that mean for him? Is he back? Uh huh. Is he back? If he wins it, he's back. That's without a doubt. The the, the haters will be silent. Um, Tiger Woods will be back. Um, but that's that's a big if there, Mike. That's I was gonna say if. he made a huge <laughs> run last year. He did, and that that was awesome to see. You know what? It was awesome to see. Um, if he gets off to a good start, um, then, then he has a shot. Uh, if, he's, if, if it's day two or day three and he's back more than five strokes, six strokes, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, he just needs to start off hot, play well, and we'll see what happens. Freddie Couples is your guy to look out for. Freddie Couples is my underdog pick. I'd love to, I'd love to see him win. I'd love I, to see I really him would. win again. Flo, who do you have in the Masters? i got to go with Tiger Woods. I mean, the last two years, <laughs> even after the uh, – uh, when he's been at his lowest points, he's been very competitive in the Masters. Yeah. He's falling apart a little bit. Augusta's one of his best courses. He's won there many times before. And I think now that he's finally won, he's got that monkey off his back that he has found the ability to win back right before. I think he's got the momentum. And I'm going to take uh, Tiger, oh, kind of an uninspired pick, but <laughs> take him against the field because I really think that this is the time where he comes out and shines. All right, we have run out of time here on Fanatic Radio, but once again, go to facebook.com slash fanaticradio, like the page, give shout-outs to all your friends, listen to the show every Friday here from 4 to 5. Don't, also, don't forget to listen to the podcast on iTunes, because we are now go to iTunes.com, or iTunes store, and search Fanatic Radio. Also go to blogtalkradio.com slash fanaticradio to click the little iTunes icon to have all of the episodes archived at your convenience. <laughs> That'll do it for our show and this week. National Championship Games on Monday, so make sure to watch that. Watch the dunk contest last night. It was very exciting. Ah, yes. But for Ben Florence, our golf analyst and fantasy baseball aficionado, <laughs> Brandon Esposito, we'd love to have you back in the studio. I'd love to be back. I'd love to be back. I'm Michael Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next time. <laughs>